WHMP. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Hello to you, Dan. Hello, Buzz. So, chance of it? scattered showers oh, tomorrow. You're here, you're here to complain about the weather, huh? I am going to complain you, about the weather. I mean, I, I won't go climate because that's too big a conversation. Oh, oh, oh. But I will say that this morning I walked in my field, mm -hmm. and that sound of crunch was the grass under <laughs> It was like, you're, it you're, wasn't the supple grass as grass should be. It was instead so, crunching grass. I have a quick story to share with you about that. So I love to go running out in Amherst. Thinking. So I'm out running in Amherst, and I like running in the grass because I realize running in the pavement is probably not good for me long terms in terms of my knees. Good, and your knees things. will be grateful. Yeah, they'll be grateful for it. But I'm running in the grass, and I happen to like stop at one point, and I'm like, wow, the grass looks really yellow and golden. And I look around, and I look at this entire field, and I can't find any green grass left. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, this is, this is where you it, it's were, getting... Felt, you were on the yellow brick is, road. Yellow... You weren't where you thought you were. <laughs> oh, this is at UMass. I'm running you weren't in Kansas stadium. anymore. No, I was in a dry... I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, the plants begin to just deteriorate. I, you know, I and totally you see get a bunch it. Of sand. I, I, I see it. I am... Um, anyway, this that's is, a, yeah. That's a bigger conversation. And it's a demoralizing one. This drought is really getting intense, and... and uh, I'm just waiting for rain. I'll never complain about rain again, maybe. Until it rains for three days consecutively, then we can complain about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it might, might be ten that makes me complain. Oh, three, okay. I think I'll be grateful. Okay. But I know our garden will. This is Dan, you know, the, um, there's an article by, um, uh, I think it's by Ross Cristantiello. I thought it was by Jim Davis, but it's not. Um, for Boston.com. And here is the headline. Massachusetts education officials vote to raise MCAS graduation requirements. Quote, our students don't need more testing time. They need more learning time. And uh, it goes on to explain that the Massachusetts Board of Elementary and Secondary Education voted um, to raise the standardized state test scores, MCAS, we call it, needed for students to graduate from high school, people who are opposed. Um, well, we'll hear about people who are opposed. Uh, I'm really lucky today because uh, I could be pontificating about it, um, but somebody who actually knows um, about this arena and all things educational is in studio with us. Todd Gazda, the executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services, that 37-member uh, school district, um, who, uh, that uh, the collaborative serves um, all have needs that Todd's job is to help satisfy. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Buzz. Um, it is a, always a pleasure speaking with you and uh, uh, always eye-opening for me because uh, who among us doesn't care about our future and who among us could say our future isn't tied to our educational system. So what you do every day is really important to all of us, every one of us. So um, I have to admit, this is a startling kind of um, thing. I didn't know that it, it happened. I didn't know that it was even coming. So MCAS, can we start with that? What is MCAS? MCAS is the state standardized assessment that's given every year in grades uh, 
three through eight, and then uh, in high school as an exit exam. Uh, and so ELA and math, ELA being English, uh, essentially, and math um, are the two major tests that the uh, students have to pass in high school, as well as the science uh, test. Um, and MCAS, MCAS is a, an acronym for Massachusetts Comprehensive Assessment System. So um, I believe that uh, I heard a lot about two dreadful years of pandemic-driven um, uh, innovations in order to make sure that some learning was still happening. And uh, coming out of that, am I, I, am I getting this right? The score that students have to achieve in order to graduate, in order to continue on their march towards graduation is being raised? It's now going to be higher. Why is that? Uh, the determination was made uh, by those advocating for this and by the department, by those who voted in favor of it on the Board of Ed, uh, that students were not being adequately prepared uh, for post uh, high school life, uh, whether that be college or to enter the workforce. Uh, and so their solution was uh, to make it more challenging uh, for those students to graduate high school. So if three years ago a certain score was sufficient for them to enter postgraduate life, why now should it be more rigorous requirements than it was three years ago when we know what's happened over the last few years has been antithetical to learning? Right, maybe I shouldn't say that, but uh, uh, more challenging to learning. I think your point is extremely valid, uh, and it's a point that is being made by educators ac across the Commonwealth uh, when asked about this very uh, issue. Uh, one of the parts of the process that the Board of Ed has to go through for major changes like this is to put it out for public comment uh, so that people can comment and, and give their opinions upon uh, the proposed changes that the Board is considering. Uh, when they put this out for public comment, they received over 240 uh, responses uh, for public comment uh, on this decision that they were going to have to make. And out of those 240 uh, public comments, 98% were in favor of not raising the bar. Uh, the vast majority come from, coming from parents and educators. Uh, and th those public comments, you know, it was essentially a sham. Uh, the board completely disregarded um, those comments and made a determination uh, to raise those cut scores. The vote was eight to three, so it wasn't like it was a close one either. They must have been talking to the United States Supreme Court. How did you handle it knowing that 78% of the country is in favor of abortion rights? Well, we'll ban it, right? Mm. I, this is inconceivable to me. I was uh, reading in this article that um, now 486 will be the required score for English and math, and for 70 for science, which is substantially higher than it was two years ago. I, I, if two years ago the bar was, this was satisfactory to enter the workforce, what changed in two years of pandemic, remote learning? I don't understand what they think, even ostensibly what they think. What changed is it got even more difficult for students. Uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we're still trying to adjust to the new reality that we find ourselves working in. There's a lot of positive elements that came out of the pandemic with respect to integration of technology uh, into instructional practices, uh, kind of shifting our thinking about how we educate students and what is possible. 
unfortunately, also coming out of that, we're dealing with major mental health issues, which the state recognizes. Um, the Board of Education <laughs> specifically recognizes? What's that? Yes, yes. Uh, as well as, um, you know, challenges for students being out for large blocks of time, having skills gaps that n- now need to be filled in. Um, and so, you know, teachers are, you know, doing the Herculean task of trying to kind of put things back together for everybody. Uh, and so this is what schools are struggling through right now. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be in favor of raising those cut scores, um, you know, on a good year prior to the pandemic, but coming out of it, it's just, you know, a ridiculous decision. Talking with uh, Director Todd Gazda of the Collaborative for Educational Services. So what, what are the challenges going into this fall semester for educators um, here in Western Massachusetts? And what does a collaborative do to um, support those needs? There are, there are a number of challenges uh, facing uh, school systems. One, as I alluded to earlier, is the fact that uh, the mental health needs of our students uh, are still an ongoing challenge uh, that school di- districts are trying to kind of get a, uh, get on top of uh, and learn how to uh, help and support students and families. Uh, and that's a big issue. And, you know, some of it is uh, there's just not the the resources are finally becoming available in you know money that's flowing from the state uh, to help uh, support mental health services for students. The problem is uh, finding qualified uh, individuals to come and provide those services, uh, such as social workers, um, BCBAs, board certified um, uh, behavioral. Uh, BCBA, Board Certified Behavioral, and I'm forgetting the last You've uh, got the acronym uh, disease. I forgot that last acronym. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, it's there. Well, I just want to interrupt you, Todd. Need- Before yeah, we went on, our producer here, Dan Torres, uh, made a really interesting analogy. Um, he, he analogized the fact that police are expected not just to be law enforcement, but to handle mental health and, and mediate domestic abuse and... Uh, deal with substance abuse and all kinds of things that they don't necessarily have the training. They're likely not to have the training and experience to deal with adequately. And he was analogizing that to what the expectations placed on educators these days. Yeah. yeah and I think that's an, you know, a really apt comparison. Um, you know, teachers are being asked and administrators to do more and more uh, to support students. Uh, and it's very difficult when we can't hire special education teachers. We're having trouble finding regular ed classroom teachers, um, bus drivers, custodians, <laughs> cafeteria workers. All of the challenges experienced by the labor sector uh, in general are exacerbated in the public schools, and a lot of it's driven by the dialogue at the national level where schools are being consistently attacked uh, and educators are being attacked for trying to care about kids and trying to support an inclusive school environment. Yeah, as if, as if uh, 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 being a loving educator is a bad thing. Yeah. It's Dan, I, I have a question for you. So the standards were raised. Does that mean the state will spend more money in those areas to make sure that students are successful? I will say a lot of money has come down to to the state in recent uh, couple of years, whether it be through federal COVID funding, uh, through the various funding streams, ARPA, ESSA, uh, and a number of other uh, avenues, also the Student Opportunity Act. Although the Student Opportunity Act didn't provide a ton of money for Western Mass. It did for like the urban communities uh, that are struggling to close these achievement gaps. The problem is 
for 20 years, we've been working under this kind of test and punish mentality from the mm -hmm. state. Uh, where if you don't make the cut scores, negative consequences will, uh, you know, kind of... I just want to say that more slowly, Ty, because I love the phrase, I hate the phrase, I never heard the phrase, test and punish, test and punish. Yeah, I kind of liken it to, you know, the beatings will continue until the morale improves, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of that old uh, saying. But it's a matter of, you know, for 20 years, we've been, they've been saying you have to raise test scores to close these learning gaps. And yet after 20 years, the learning gaps maintain. Educators are advocating for a change and to change our practice so that we can shift uh, the way we teach students to the way they now learn, which mm -hmm. is very different than it was 20 years ago. And yet we keep bumping up against this, uh, you know, mentality from the state where, we got to raise those test scores, uh, and so. So it Dan, gets your, your question is like, uh, like an unfunded mandate kind of thing. Like you're saying, here they are uh, imposing more requirements without giving the support necessary in order to meet them. Is that what you're saying? That's what I was asking, but it seemed like they are getting some funding for for this. But I'm just not curious, specifically not for, for this. this. Yes. Yeah, so then I'm wondering. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to do that to students, are you going to provide the additional resources needed for success? I think the state might say, "Hey, there's been a lot of money uh, you're away from uh, COVID funding and things like that." So then the question is, well, where's the money being? Is it being allocated in the direction we need it to be in order to achieve the most success? I think that's, that's a really nuanced. It is, question, and that's a really good question. I think part of the problem is it's not just a monetary problem at this point. Mm. Uh, it's really become a social dynamic problem mm. where the pipeline for people to go into either you know the teaching profession or to service students in other means, uh, such as social workers or counselors uh, in the public school setting, has become choked. Why are you going to mm. come and work in the public schools when mm. all you have to do is turn on the TV and you see teachers being attacked, school you know, boards that being is, attacked? That, that's a great uh, place to take a break. And it's all playing into that dynamic. Yeah, indeed. I see that it would. Uh, it's a great place to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the supply chain for educators and for other healthcare professionals that are necessary to educate our children, our precious resource. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us and Todd Gasta. This is the Afternoon Buzz yes, with Buzz When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New, New Bedford or Fall River. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. 
Hi, it's Jessica, owner of Fitness Together in Amherst and Northampton. As the weather gets warmer, I know many of you are thinking about your summer workout schedule. And if you're like me, it's all about finding work, life, and workout balance, which is why when you sign up at Fitness Together, you'll put a schedule together with your personal trainer that actually works for you, is stress-free, and will help you stay fit, healthy, and balanced. Visit us online today at fitnesstogether.com, Amherst, or Northampton, and sign up for your free consultation. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you get the best local and organic produce, a butcher shop, wine and cheese shop, fresh seafood, and hundreds of bulk herbs, spices, and more. When you shop at River Valley Co-op, you create hundreds of union jobs and generate over $7 million in purchases from local farms and businesses. River Valley Co-op is your food hub, bringing you the best from around the valley and world while supporting your neighbors and local farmers. Shop River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton today. River Valley Co-op. Forbes Library Outreach Delivery Service caters to residents of any age who are homebound due to short or long-term disability in Northampton, Florence, and Leeds. A volunteer will deliver your specific requests or select materials for you based on your interests. We offer books, magazines, CDs, DVDs, and puzzles. Call 413-587-1019 or sign up at ForbesLibrary.org outreach. Seniors living on fixed incomes may be struggling with high inflation, but help could be on the way. The Senior Citizens League's annual estimate for Social Security adjustments predicts that monthly benefits could rise a near-record 9.6% next year. It would be the biggest increase since 1981. Rising mortgage rates and falling home sales failed to bring down home prices in the second quarter, according to a report from the National Association of Realtors. In fact, Four out of five of the largest metro areas recorded year-over-year double-digit price increases. Mitsubishi is recalling more than 76,000 late-model Outlander sport vehicles with continuously variable transmissions and mechanical key ignition systems. The company says a software error in the transmission control unit could cause the engine to stall. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back talking with Todd Gazda uh, from the Collaborative for Educational Services, um, which uh, provides services um, to 37 of our uh, school districts here in this region, critical services. Um, Todd, once again, Dan raised this question about teacher shortages, and I'm just focused right now on an article that I'm looking at from NBC um, that was just reported two days ago, uh, focused on the great resignation in quotes. Um, it's dealing with the um, Des Moines, Iowa school district. And what they did is the great resignation is hitting classrooms hard across the United States. And here is a school district that has over 100 vacancies and um, in order to induce people who are 60 years old or older and have worked for 15 years or longer um, to not retire but to remain at work as educators, it's offering $50,000 in incentives on top of their pay to stay for one more year because, as you said before the break, the pipeline is drying up. Can you talk about that? 
I have to say I'm not surprised. Uh, the only thing I am surprised is that the Des Moines Re- School District has the money to do that. Uh, I, things are that desperate out there, particularly in critical needs areas like special education, uh, science, math. Uh, those are some really hard positions uh, to fill. And right now, I mean, school districts are just stealing from their neighbors and, you know, passing those high needs people Why aren't they? It used to be uh, both of my kids were educated, became mm. educators. It was an honorable profession that, you know, you weren't going to get wealthy, but you would be able to live comfortably and and raise a family uh, as an educator. Why aren't more people going into education? And my point is, it is still an honorable profession. Uh, it is a calling. Uh, people who are in it are in it because they're passionate about it, because they care about kids. Uh, and at, at their core, uh, that's why they're here and that's why they stay. Um, the difficulty is uh, when you are in college deciding what you want to make of your life and what you want to do with your life, um, when you turn on the news and you can't help but, you know, miss how, um, you know, basically the, the dialogue and narrative around public education right now is so negative. And so if you're deciding which, which career path to go, uh, you know, it, it's time for that narrative to change in this country and for teachers, administrators, and educators to begin to show the respect that they deserve, be shown the respect that they deserve, and the respect that they used to get. Um, education hasn't changed, and educators haven't changed, per se, who they are. Uh, it's our country that's kind of changed around them. Uh, and now that is being pushed back on them in these, you know, completely unwarranted attacks. Well, I mean, this makes me think of so many things that are going on politically in the country regarding regulation of what can or cannot be said or taught. So that's one. You add in the COVID stress of like, wait, what's going to happen with the surge come the fall and winter? Would I be concerned about that if I have uh, somebody in my family who might be immunocompromised or something like that? So then it's like, wait, do I have to go back teaching online? Do I go back teaching in person? So that's always in the back of your mind, given what the two years are. But then you add in all the other issues that are going on. Where's the social support for the students? Where, Where are all the other support services to help all students learn? And it's like, if you don't have those people around you, it usually falls on the teacher. So now teachers are, are becoming not only educators, but they're becoming like social work services, and they might not even be trained necessarily in how to provide the and best it, care and support for students. I mean, then you start looking at somewhat of a... They're also going thing. through training on, on how to physically protect kids from things from like school shooters in right. school. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, the demands are, are enormous. Uh, unyielding. For, for even, a, a, let's say, a decent pay. Let's not say... I heard this this morning on Morning Joe because I was listening to mm. the head of the uh, Department that's your of problem. Education. <laughs> that might be my problem. But the, the, the head of the Department of Education was on, and he said... Secretary that the, of Education. The Secretary of Education, uh, uh, US, Cardona. Uh, Cardona? So, yeah, yeah, that's his Cardona, yeah. So he said, starting salary for a public school teacher in Montana is $32,000. Now, I know the cost of living is less in Montana, but when you're starting at 32 and you throw in a lot of the other social problems and the pandemic on top of it... it, it could you go and find another job that maybe pays you 40, 45, and you wouldn't have the same stress? We're, we're better off here in Massachusetts, obviously, yeah. than uh, Montana is. But given the requirement of advanced degrees, the, the salaries still don't com- uh, keep com- up comprom- with yeah. uh, the requirements of the position. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, see, the consequences of this buzz aren't necessarily felt today. 
they're felt 5, 10, 15 years down the future. You, you can't get to this position without having neglected it for a long time. And you'll especially feel it in the science and math, right? Um, but so, uh, But you'll feel it all throughout society that if you're not investing in this or the public school system begins to break down, then it's a problem that you'll feel in a decade from now when you start seeing these young students who are adults and not getting the proper education. I, I think and that support it's a great insight, need. but you know, so um, but it's foreseeable that we're going to yeah, see it. It's course. not like we're going to be shocked. So, I want to give you the last word, Todd. What should people be thinking about as we head towards this semester and we hear about these enormous challenges that teachers are being put to and that our students are being asked to meet? Um, Give us, give us a last word. Make us feel a little bit better. I, literally, that's where I was going. I said, you know what? At the end of the day, right now, yes, there's apprehension about what this school year looks like. Yes, there's disappointment on the part of, I would say, many, if not most, educators on the decision today by the Board of Education. Uh, however, right now, Teachers are getting their classrooms ready. Uh, elementary school teachers are doing those bulletin boards. They do those amazing bulletin boards. Uh, but teachers are getting ready. They're getting that feeling of excitement. Uh, you know, what's my class going to be like? Who's coming in this year? Um, they are ready to welcome kids back into our schools to create a, a just a kind, nurturing learning environment for our kids. It's what teachers do, and it's what they'll continue to do, regardless of what the outside pressures are. Uh, it'd be nice if people made it a little easier for them these days. <laughs> it's really critical. Uh, finally, Todd, could you tell people if they want to get in touch with the Collaborative for Educational Services and find out what you do, find out how they can help, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can Google Collaborative for Educational Services in Northampton, and our website will pop up, along with a, a myriad of services that we provide uh, for school districts, communities, uh, and educators. Bless you. It is our future, every one of us. Um, even an old guy like me knows <laughs> that our future is, uh, depends on our educational system. I am um, incredibly indebted to... Uh, everyone who takes our kids' future into their hands and tries to make it better, and to you, Todd Gazza, for joining us and for everything you do with the Collaborative. Thank it you. It was my pleasure, Buzz. Thank you. We're going to be back with Jackie Walsh. We're going to listen to Play Bill. I think Jackie and I both saw an incredible play Barrington Stage this weekend. We'll be right back with Jackie right after these messages. And Shakespeare and Company. History. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. Don't know much about the French I took, but I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The State Board of Elementary and Secondary Education voted yesterday to increase the minimum MCAS scores necessary for 10th grade students to receive a high school diploma. President of the Massachusetts Teachers Association, Max Page, says it's a bad idea. And so this notion of, of hiking the MCAS scores as somehow a way to improve public education, we think, is just deeply flawed. In the last decade, at least 50,000 students have not received their diplomas due to the MCAS testing requirement. These new requirements will be impacting the classes of 2026 through 2029. 
Amherst town councilors met last night to discuss a controversial video showing a police officer telling a group of teens they have no rights. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Director Pamela Young presented a full report into the incident on Monday. Many people raised concerns following the release of the video, including the Human Rights Commission, which filed a complaint with the police department. Police said no parent or guardian of any of the teens involved has filed a complaint. However, they are conducting an investigation. Police are asking for people to come forward with any information they have in regard to a stabbing in Agawam. Three people were stabbed during a fight at the Still Bar and Grill on Saturday. Just after midnight, police were called to a report of a fight involving around 30 people. When police arrived, the fight had already ended. However, three people were suffering from stab wounds. All are expected to survive. Partly sunny this afternoon, a high of 80 to 84. Variable clouds tonight, slight chance of a scattered shower. A high on overnight low of 54 to 60. Then for Wednesday, sun cloud mix, chance of scattered showers, a high of 76 to 80 and into the low 80s and dry on Thursday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with local dynamo Tara Brewster, Saturdays at 11 and Sundays at 2, only on WHMP. Brought to you by Greenfield Savings Bank with offices all throughout Hampshire and Franklin counties. Greenfieldsavings.com. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Dinner tonight starts with a tap. Tap the local hero guide on the CESA website and find farm fresh food close to where you are. There are so many farms and farm stands just minutes away. Look for the bright yellow local hero label in stores and restaurants. Local hero food, the beauty and the bounty of our fertile river valley farmlands on your dinner table tonight. The local hero guide is at the CESA website, buylocalfood.org. The Literacy Project is the place to go if you are an adult hoping to improve your reading, writing, and math skills, or if you want help preparing for the high school equivalency exam. The Literacy Project offers free classes at five locations in Franklin and Hampshire counties. We also offer classes to help you prepare for college and to help you plan for a career. If you want to learn, the Literacy Project is the place for you. To find out about Literacy Project classes in Northampton, call 413-584-6755. To find out about our classes in Greenfield, Orange, Amherst, and Ware, check us out online at literacyproject.org. The Literacy Project is the place to go if you want support furthering your education and accomplishing career goals. If you want to learn, the Literacy Project is the place for you. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Hello and good afternoon for those of you who are just joining us, for those of you who are staying with us. Thank you. So it is Tuesday afternoon. It's time for Jackie Walsh's Playbill. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Buzz. So what's happening in the theater wow. these days? There's a lot. I mean, some theaters are done with their summer season, but there still is so much going on. It's such High quality. I hope people still go to the theater. We still have a good month of the summer theaters. I just want to before busy. you before you yes. make your your uh, little survey here. Yeah, uh, I had such a great Sondheim time. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, little night, the little night music uh, by Barrington Stage. We saw that on Saturday, Uh and it was breathtaking. It was I was transported to Broadway. It was great. It was beautiful. I mean, I do a lot of local theater, and I often say we could do that when I see things in the Berkshires, and I sometimes try to convince myself it's the same quality. But this show was, I mean, the singing, the acting, everything was incredible. The set, the lighting, it was just great. I actually gave a standing ovation for a song in the middle of the play, which I never have done. But she deserved it. It was that woman. She reminded me so much of... From Sound of Music, the Countess. Oh, yeah, she yeah. Looked she looked a lot like her. Had, yeah, yeah, she had an incredible but voice. Uh, but so that, I highly recommend that. Well, send in the clowns. I'm ready. Yeah, and that that's the song I gave the standing ovation. Of course, song yeah. song I don't even like usually, but the pacing was magnificent. Well, that is really worth seeing, but what else is happening? All right, so that is through, let's see, August 28th in Pittsfield, Barrington Stage. Barrington Stage is also, and that is directed by Julianne Boyd, who is retiring as artistic director. Right. So we've um, had her on the show after yes. a twenty eight year run, she's yeah. retiring. And she's also wanted to do this for a long time waiting for Godot. That's August nineteenth through September fourth. So that's one of her things. Then Berkshire Theater Group, which also has a theater in um Pittsfield and in Stockbridge. They're doing Songs for a New World, which is a collection of songs examining life and the choices we make. Um and also Drum roll, please. They're doing Dracula, which I saw on <laughs> Saturday. Oh, my God. So it's in the Colonial Theater, which is sort of gothic. So it was perfect. And everything was perfect. And there's a character in the play that maybe was originally a male role, but this Professor Van Halsong, played by Jennifer Van, I think it's Dyke or Dyke. She was amazing. And um, just the whole thing was great. So I recommend that. That's through August 27th. I won't ask if Dracula sucked. <laughs> he didn't, but he did. Okay. <laughs> um, so also Shakespeare and Company has a tongue going on. I don't know how they're doing all of this at the same time. Um, let's see. Measure for Measures through September 18th. This is a Shakespeare I didn't know the plot of. I really don't know the play. It's about a tyrant and his twisted desire for a nun. Sounds extremely interesting. A Walk in the Woods through September 4th. That's about two superpower arms negotiators, a Russian and an American who meet in a forest outside Geneva. They continue to meet as the seasons change and develop a friendship despite their country's antagonism. And we have him, which goes through September. Uh, August 28th. That's H-Y-M-N. Yes. Him. Right, right, right. Not H-I-M. That's Shakespeare and Company, and it's by Lolita Chakrabarty, and it's directed by Reggie Life. And we, so it's about a, um, two men who meet at a funeral. One knew the deceased, the other did not. And it's a soulful new play filled with music. It asks what it takes to be a good father, brother, or son. And so I am super happy to say that we have two actors, the the two main actors in the show. Rainey plays Benny, and Kevin Craig West plays Gil. Rainey has five decades of experience in the performing arts. He's done a lot of Shakespeare, and August Wilson plays. He's also a comedian. He's worked with Chris Rock. Kevin Craig West plays Gil. He's done a lot of film. He has been in Law and Order, Organized Crime, and he starred in the movie The Way Forward. So thank you so much for joining us, Rainey and Kevin Craig. 
Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Kevin, do I call you Kevin or Kevin Craig? Uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. All right. So, Rainey, tell it's us. It's a check if Kevin Craig West. <laughs> okay. Um, did I get anything wrong in the intro? Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, 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 yeah, for the audience. Uh, well, we play the only the two time. characters. The only two characters, right. There was a huge, huge uh, list of people who worked on the show, but yes, you are the only two characters. So, Rainey, tell, tell the audience what the play is about. Uh, it's uh, about a love relationship between two men. It's a, not, not in a physical sense or, uh, you know, a soap opera love story type. But it's uh, two guys who bond, and we watch a year in their lives as uh, as they begin to uh, get into each other's lives and and grow together as as friends. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Craig, what did you think about the script when you read it the first time? I immediately wanted to play both characters, <laughs> and <laughs> truly, and. Uh, thought, oh my gosh, this would be just super cool if we could alternate characters, but that would require a bigger budget and hopefully when this moves on to a a larger venue uh, via Shakespeare production, um, it can... uh, we can have that option of switching characters. This is is Buzz, and I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to follow that wonderful answer. Did you want to... Did you have a desire to play both characters because um, of your theatrical abilities and to, to, because it would cause you to stretch? Or is it because you wanted to experience what each of those characters experienced? Because both characters are richly written and it, I see a journey in both and, yeah, wanted to experience it from both sides of the, uh, the coin. Wow. Um, I enjoy the experience that you know I get from you know from working with Rainey as the character Ben, uh, but yeah, I would love to see the experience of 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 watching Gil or playing opposite Gil as Ben as well. Hey, I would go to the show twice and that's a tes- to that's see a that. That's a testament to the to the writing. Yes. Um, and I guess to to the direction as well. But from my initial read, that was my thought. Uh-huh. So, Rainey, you are a comedian, and um, humor is so important to me as an audience member. But I think it's you know important to everyone who does theater. We can't slog through an hour or two hours of any play without some humor. So, tell us about the humor in this play. Yeah, the humor is built through the relationships. Um, uh, it's very, you know, uh, audience friendly and familiar in the sense that, you know, anytime you've been really close to someone in that sense of a, you know, those shows like, <laughs> it may sound a little corny, but like Mad About You or One Day at a Time or, um, right. uh, you know, those shows that are built on relationships instead of it being about being situational. So a lot of the humor arises as the audience receives information about the growing relationship. Uh, so it's you know it's not you know wonka wonka wonka. Yeah, it's built in real life, and and I, I think it's uh, very rewarding in that sense. That mm-hmm. And has the audience. We 
the audience has a collective um, active listening during this show that's palpable to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and part of that is their reaction to the humorous moment. Uh, so uh, I love to hear about how the audience, have they laughed at things that you have forgotten were funny? I wouldn't say forgotten, but that I, I, for me personally, that I didn't prior, prioritize as mm-hmm. being humorous, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying it, and they will remind you. It's like, oh, yeah, that is funny. Oh, that's fantastic. We're going to have to take a break in, in, in a minute and a half, but I just wanted to ask Kevin, was it difficult to inhabit this character? Did, is this character familiar to you, or was it uh, a stretch for you to inhabit this character? They, interestingly, are both very familiar with, uh, to me, and I guess that's part of uh, what drew me into wanting to portray both. Uh, but yes, there are tons of similarities in both characters um, uh, to my experience. Nice. And um, it's called Him, um, and I've been told there's a lot of music in the play. So, um, Kevin, can you tell us about the music? I love the music. It's all uh, uh, what we use uh, uh, is all stuff from me growing up, uh, high school, and uh, um, maybe a little older, and some some uh, uh, later. But uh, yeah, it's all stuff that I was familiar with, and uh, you know, it was the the popular. Uh, music of my uh, of my youth, so yeah, it's fun to to reminisce and uh, and 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 not only play at reminiscing, but get to you know having had that actual experience as these characters are you know are in our age range, so their experiences were thankfully naturally our experiences, uh, some of them, and. Um, yeah, so it makes it uh, uh, perhaps easier, uh, but a lot of fun. We are uh, very lucky to have Shakespeare and Company never disappoints, ever. I've never been disappointed. We uh, Jackie has brought us two uh, professional actors, Rainey and Kevin Craig West, who are playing in him, H-Y-M-N, not H-I-M, which is playing uh, now, I think, through August 28th. Uh, at the Bernstein Theater, Shakespeare and Company. We'll be back with them and Jackie right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow.
Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, your message at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, valley talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, your message at whmp.com and add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. Right in your town, maybe even in your neighborhood, an immigrant is building a new life, trying to find their way, all while learning a new language. The International Language Institute offers free English classes for immigrants and refugees, for true beginners and others, like students in our Bridge to College and Careers program. One of the nation's top language schools is right here, with free English classes for immigrants and refugees. The International Language Institute in downtown Northampton. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday local burgers and fries? Correct. They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Local burgers and fries on the corner in Northampton on the main Dragon Keen plus local burgie. Burgers and barbecue in Williamsburg. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. Do you ever wish you could be a kid again? Big Brothers Big Sisters lets you take a break from the adult world for a few hours a week. Anyone can be a mentor. You'll have support and guidance from professional caseworkers like me. My name is Jess and I'm a case manager, but I've also been a big sister with the program for almost four years. At first, I thought it would be hard to find the time, but spending time with my little quickly became one of the best parts of my week. When is the last time you went rollerblading or cooked s'mores over a campfire? Mentoring is fun, but it also makes a huge difference in a kid's life. Children who have good mentors do better in school, are more confident, and have better relationships with their peers. Nearly 200 kids in our area are currently waiting to be matched with a mentor, and most are boys hoping to find a big brother. Come in for an info session with me to learn more. Start something. Call 413-259-3345 and volunteer or donate to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Hampshire County today. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Jackie Walsh. She's speaking uh, with Rainey and Kevin Craig West, the two stars of the U.S. debut of the play Him by Lolita Chakrabarty and directed by uh, Reggie Life. All yours, Jackie. Great. So, Rainy, I see from your bio you've been in several August Wilson plays, Two Trains Running, Fences, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Absolutely love those plays, especially Two Trains Running. How are those experiences doing August Wilson? I'm killing. I've done uh, eight of the uh, cycle of ten plays and uh, the piano lesson uh, three times. Wow. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's always a great experience. I'm looking to do uh, King Hetley II and Joe Turner, putting that out there, casting directors, um, uh, oh. to finish out the cycle. But it's oh. it's Herculean. It's it, it's rewarding. Uh, it's challenging and so much fun. Can you tell our audience about August Wilson? What what he's known for? August Wilson is a, a Pittsburgh playwright who wrote this uh, cycle of 
place where one is set in each decade of the past century. So you go from the teens all the way up until the 1990s, mm-hmm. covering black lives, uh, mostly uh, focused in the Hill District of Pittsburgh, uh, which there are they, they're the grandchildren of the Great Migration. So it could just as well be called the Alabama or Mississippi cycle, but it's 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 the story. Uh, each time, with the exception of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is set in Chicago, the rest of them are set in the Hill District in Pittsburgh. And by being this concentrated focus on this particular neighborhood, it is immediately uh, connected to all of our lives. Just really, really great stories. Uh, Fences, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Two Trains Running, Jitney, uh, those, all of those great titles you heard are a part of a larger set, this 10 cycle of plays. Incredible. Uh, Kevin Craig West, I wanted to ask you, so here in a two-person play, Shakespeare and Company often has plays, productions that are far more members of the cast than we have here. What's the difference in uh, you playing a role along with many others versus one other? Mm, I guess it depends on the um, even though it's just the, the, the even though Bill Rainey and I are the only actors, um, we uh, uh, per the audience that has audience members that have have seen it thus far and have relayed this to us, we convey a host of other characters uh, uh, quite clearly. Um, so it it still is as though we you know, are interacting with other folks. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, the obvious thing is, uh, there are more lines, you know, the least amount of people on stage, uh, conceivably there are more lines, uh, per characters, unless, you know, it's a new character. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm 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 greedy for stage time because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are are on stage. Uh, we only exit the stage for costume changes, but we are, uh, yeah, just on stage the whole time playing. Mm-hmm. So, Rainy, how you've been on stage for decades? How have you seen what has changed as far as diversity of casting and directors, producers behind the scenes? How has it changed over five decades, and how would you say it's, how would you rate where we are right now? Um, it's an interesting question, I, I, and uh, I'm careful to answer uh, without knowing uh, detailed information myself, but just from where I sit, uh, yeah, there's been growth, now, not to the level that I would, I would hope and think for it, and hopefully we're heading there. Uh, but uh, I, I think uh, the huge growth I'd like to see is in uh, more leadership positions uh, in, as far as uh, um, administration and, uh, you know, making decisions on seasons and, uh, you know, um, and more equity uh, within equity. Yeah. Right. It reminds me of the trajectory of, professional sports, you know, for a long time. Yes, you didn't see correct. black quarterbacks or coaches and or coaches. changing. Yeah. But 
Yeah, um, it was the same way. It was a, there was a period where you didn't see many, uh, when you say regional or international, uh, outside of New York, you didn't see many African-American directors and uh, people in administration, but now you're seeing it a lot more artistic directors, associate directors, and uh, um, overall producers are beginning to show up. We just would like to see those numbers increase even yes. more. And then I think the next step is seeing audiences that are more diverse as well. Speaking of which, how do people get tickets for him? Yes, Kevin, how do people get tickets? Uh, you can go directly to shakespeare.org slash shows, and you will find him, as well as the host of other shows that are still running, uh, Measure for Measure, which opens this Sunday, and uh, A Walk in the Woods, which is still running until September 4th. But shakespeare.org is where you go for all of your show info. Well, I'm sure, Jackie, you agree. I mean, I, every time I go, I, I I opened with, they've never disappointed. It's true. I've never seen a production there that I've been disappointed with. It's always been worth it. The venue is incredible. It's it's just a beautiful place to see a performance. And, mm -hmm. and um, I just encourage people to go see him. I know I'm going to look for tickets. Definitely. Well, I hope while you're here, you guys get to... Uh, Climb Mount Greylock and do some uh, Western Mass things because uh, you've been. I know you've been here a lot, but it's just a great place to. So thank you be. so much for joining mm -hmm. us. The play is him, mm -hmm. Jackie. You've done it again. Thank you for bringing them on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Everybody, have a great evening. Thank we'll you. see you tomorrow okay. on the afternoon buzz. This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, one hundred one five WHMP. What will happen with the primaries in Alaska? The only live and local talk in the Valley and for the Valley. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton radio group station. It's 5.